Broadcasting live from the Vegas Video Network studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Talk Tales with Chris Phillips. Coming up on today's show, singer-songwriter Frankie Moreno. And now I can name that host in three syllables, Mr. Chris Phillips. See what happens when you don't have a real job? <laughs> you do this. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We are so happy to have you join us live here from Las Vegas. Once again, you are watching the wildly successful new program every Monday afternoon called Talk Tales. Oh, yes, exciting. You know, we were in a distant second place up until Oprah quit, and now we are the most viewed show in the nation every afternoon. And so we are so happy to have you here on the Vegas Video Network. Uh, ah, my gosh, this has been such an interesting couple of weeks for me. As you know, Scott, uh, life has changed for me. Uh, I used to be a bum during, <laughs> during the weekdays. I've, I've literally worked weekends for upwards to 27 years until last week. And now I actually have responsibility and structure in my life. And we, I we working men have missed you. Thanks for coming to us, coming to our side. Yes, well, my God. It's like I feel like I'm back in high school. Well, like I went to high school. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, we're on week two uh, of me being the new host of Name That Tune here at the Imperial Palace on the Las Vegas Strip. And today, I can say we gave away $10,000. Really? Wow. What? Yeah, because I fixed the whole thing. It was a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> he said he'd get me liquored up after the show, and instead, I forgot I had to come here. I got the producers on the uh, phone here. Yes, he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was a, it was a joke. <laughs> okay. But yes, we're having a blast. It's going very well. But uh, it has severely cut into my weekday partying, Scott. But uh, I was afraid that I was going to have to stay in. But I. My uh, girlfriend, Tiffany, and I have figured out instead of coming home at 5 or 6 in the morning, we just come home at 3 or 4. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's a little hard on us, but we're working it out. But uh, folks, uh, again, we couldn't be more happy to have you uh, join us here on our little show we do where we get to have a couple cocktails and sit down and speak with some of the people who make this the greatest city in the world and without question, the entertainment capital of the world. And... My guest today is certainly a shining example of why people come to Las Vegas. Uh, he embodies the spirit of entertainment. Uh, he is a singer. He is a songwriter. He is an incredible piano player. He plays all kinds of it. He's like a Wayne Newton of today. He plays everything. Uh, and he's just about to explode. He's been on the scene here in Las Vegas for many years. Anybody who lives in Las Vegas certainly knows his name. He's synonymous with uh, our city. But now he's about to go big time on us. Uh, He's got himself wrapped up in some big deals, which we're ac actually going to be talking about today and anxious to hear about. Uh, you can see him certainly every Tuesday where I hang out at the Palms, where uh, me and Gordy Brown and some others yeah. hang out in there and see uh, our friend uh, do his thing at the Palms. He can also be seen at the Ravello Lounge out at the M, among many other places. While we still have him, that is, we have Mr. Big Time and very handsome <laughs> dear friend of mine, Frankie Moreno, is in the house tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Good on, buddy. 
We couldn't be more proud to have you. I've been trying to get um, you for weeks. And I know. Too important to join my uh, little rinky-dink thing here. And thank no, God I've been fun. wanting. I've been wanting. The phones have been ringing to do the show, and I've just been <laughs> sleeping a lot. And yeah, well, <laughs> well, you are uh, certainly one of the busiest people in town now. I know it's been that crazy. you've certainly been working here for years doing your thing, but just as of uh, recently, yeah. uh, Things have become very interesting for you. Well, I, I was doing five nights a week, know. you know, every night in this town since I moved here. Ten years ago, moved here and started playing right out of the gates. First week I moved here, I started working. That's unheard of. From the stratosphere to the Riviera to the House of Blues. There's a lot the, of entertainers that would be very jealous of uh, what you're saying here. For the whole time, though, it was crazy. It was like just five nights a week, sometimes double shifts, and uh, um, it, it was great. And even when things were slow, for some reason, always working. It was just lucky, lucky, lucky. And I thought that I was so busy. Now, we're not playing nearly as much, and I am just way more busy with this, with this record thing we're trying to do, and it's crazy, man. It's well, you're having to uh, streamline it to some degree because you're not just a three or four piece uh, combo thing that you used to play in a lounge yeah. at Golden Eye. You're a full scale show with horns and the <coughs> string section. And we added strings. It's horns. unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it's all arrangements, and I'm, I mean, instead of doing you know, three sets uh, of music each night, we're doing right. a show. Well, and it's, it's an amazing show. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Frankie, uh, I guess the best way I could... Do I just help myself here? You know what? Right? I was going to be... I'll wait. I was going to be so disappointed oh, no, if you weren't going to drink with I, me. Are I you kidding? I didn't know if I'm supposed to do this or if you're supposed to pour it for me. How does this work? You're the host. Dive in. You know, we don't have waitresses here, Frankie. I'm so sorry. You have to help yourself. It's real. Yes, it's, it's real. <laughs> Unlike most of the things in this town. I hate to take the last of your... Uh... No, you, no, go ahead and finish off the extra rare. I'll just stick with the cheap stuff over here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some Diet Coke? Because yes. I, I put a little of that in there Go just ahead. to pretend I'm not the alcoholic that I am, just to color it up a little bit. Salute, Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you, you may or may not know this. You, I, I always claim that the first show I ever saw in Las Vegas was the Shintas, and that inspired me to come here. That is not true. That's not true. I lied. I've been lying for five Green years. Green Valley Ranch. The very first show I ever saw was Frankie Marino Band at Green Valley Ranch. We played together. We played together. And then I opened and for you. I forget, it was a corporate uh, or something. Oh, I right? like the way you put that. Yeah. You didn't open for me. Well, we went I on. Think we went on and everybody left, I think, is what <laughs> happened. But yeah, that was the first yeah. experience I've had seeing live music in Vegas. And it was you guys, and I was blown yeah. away then. Oh, I didn't know what we were doing then. We were well, just drinking. Do any of us ever? Doing our thing, you know? As we still are, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know Frankie, he's kind of a, I don't know how to explain it, a rock and roll uh, edgy hip version of a Harry Connick Jr. in, in, yeah. the, in that vein of uh, piano playing, songwriting, all-encompassing, yeah. big band horn sound, good-looking, <laughs> I get the chicks kind of guy. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's a good description. <laughs> um, you were born in Santa Cruz, Santa California. Cruz. I know that uh, you were influenced by your, I think your father and your uncle who were musicians. They and played bands. in the band. They had a local band that they played all over uh, the Bay Area there. And wow. um, that's hot. What's going on? Am, I, am, I, am I supposed to not? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that's the most action I've had in two weeks right there. <laughs> the, uh, uh, no, yeah. no, they played all over town, and my dad used to have me come play with his. I was one of those little freak kids, you know, really young that could play Mozart. This is what disturbs me about you most, is that's like my friend Frankie Shinta. Yeah. From the time he was a kid, he could hear music yeah. and directly go to the piano and just start playing it. How yeah, the, what kind of prodigy just, craziness is that? I, I, I guess it's just, it's just, you know, it's just there sometimes. And like with us, we had a piano in the house. Nobody played piano. Uh -huh. And uh, I'd hear them 
rehearsing all the time and going and hear the songs and playing. My dad was real big into like the oldies, like the Elvis Presley, sure, and the sure. Ray Charles, Jerry Lewis. So hearing Ray Charles, Jerry Lee Lewis, and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm. Wow, that's obviously very influential because that you, you obviously in your original music have yeah. uh, a, that type of a sound. Yeah, I love that. So it's just, I, I mean, like, I, I miss a lot of the elements. Like, like, you know, as time goes by in general, people learn from other musicians. That's how we play music. You know, you hear someone you like, you're inspired, and you take something of theirs, and you add something of your own, and then someone else takes something of theirs and adds something of their own. But, but a lot of that stuff, like the Ray Charles and all that stuff, like, people took the vibe and the sound, but they're missing, like, the main ingredients with just the, the feel of the music, sure. you know? So a lot of, you know, modern music today, not a lot, but, but there is a lot of stuff you hear on the radio that just, it misses the feel. It's lacking soul. Yeah. And yeah. you were bringing that back, my friend, and in a big well, way and in a, a very thank you. Uh, heartfelt way. Thank you. You could tell that you, you genuinely feel the music that you're playing and the audiences yeah. are responding accordingly. They're, they're eating it up. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I just think you can't, you can't, like, it's like telling a story. A song is a story. I lived in Nashville for a while, so it got real big into, like, country music and stuff. Just, really? just the lyrics of it, like, how the, everything is, like, it's, it's talking to people. So when you're talking to people, like if you're just saying something like you're reading, right. who cares? Right. But if right. you're actually listening and you're telling something that you believe in, you know, it's interesting. So it's like with music, it's the same thing. And a lot of, a lot of times just radio music that you hear, they produce it perfectly and, and everything. But it just, it just misses some of that. Some of the sloppiness sometimes that's in a record, like in those old records, is kind of cool. Absolutely. It, it, that, that creates the swagger to mm -hmm. the sound, so to speak, is, is yeah. kind of the space between notes sometimes. And... Yeah. Uh, kind of like Count Basie in the sense that yeah. it wasn't the music or the notes he played as the music notes he exactly. didn't play. Exactly. And with you, you uh, possess such... I don't play a lot of notes, especially after drinking. <laughs> I just don't play it on. <laughs> well, you know, you're, 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 it's amazing to watch you because you're, you're obviously not only just talented, but I can tell music is in your soul. You, you transition from singing to, to having off-the-cuff witty remarks to playing piano to playing the... You just go back and forth and it's so effortless. You it's, know what it's that such is, a joy though, to watch. It's perform. just, it's just a, it, I think that just comes from, and I gotta think, uh, I gotta thank, you know, California, growing up there for just being around a creative environment. Everyone in Santa Cruz where I'm from is a, a painter, a poet, sure. a artist, something, you know. So having that influence, then moving to Nashville where it's the best of the best musicians, you know, the musicians sure. are just insane out there. That was like college for me. Like, kind of like got to fine-tune your craft. So yeah, but then coming here, I mean, and you know how it is, man. In this town, getting people to come to a show and stuff, I mean, next door there's tigers, there's naked girls, <laughs> there's alcohol, there's money. There's, it, it's everything. Who wants to sit down and listen to somebody's song? You know what I mean? Yeah, no. It's hard. It's very hard, particularly in Las Vegas, to break out with your own original music. Yeah. And I would be hard-pressed to say I don't think I can even think of another act that performs live music or their own original live music at all. I think you're there's, it. There's some, but it's mostly, unfortunately, man, it's in the, uh, it's in the little dive bars and the places that don't want to pay and anything. You know, sure. the, the casinos want the, the cover stuff and, because that's what people yeah, are familiar understand. with. Of course, sure. And it's all about revenue per yeah, square yeah, yeah. foot in this town. And, and that definitely draws in people. The weird situation we've had is we've played here so long and I was doing original music, you know, all these places having their contracts, don't do, don't do originals, do covers. So I go, here's a new Matchbox 20 song, and it's more yeah. of mine. You know, here's the new Maroon 5, and it's, and it's ours. And people go, I like that song. And they go, oh, wow. yeah, well, we wrote it. And we started building a fan base because of that.
which you have a tremendously big fan base. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. It, but playing the five nights a week in Vegas, getting back to kind of like the the whole random free uh-huh. talking on stage stuff, is just I think we would get so bored because we were doing like you know you go out there and you do a show and stuff like that. We were doing like three sets, four sets every night, and um, so we would just get bored. Like even playing original music, we're playing our own original music every night, and we, and we're going like we have to entertain ourselves. So every night we had to make it different. We had to be like. Let's do something totally different and make each other laugh. So now, n- now that we're just doing the one show kind of thing, bringing that into the show, every night is totally different. Well, that's what separates you from a lot of the entertainers in town. You've really developed your off-the-cuff entertainer chops. That's just from that 10 comes years from of doing it, you know? hour after hour after yeah. night after day after month of doing that. Of everything going, you have to have everything always going wrong. <laughs> so you learn, you learn how yes. to fix it, how to deal with it. You know, so piano, the grand piano falls off the stage. You, you have to have that happen to know if it happens again, this is how you can laugh. Well, obviously, this isn't your first rodeo. If I understand no. correctly, you've been performing. Uh, it actually appeared on TV since when you were I 11? I did Star Search when I was 10 years oh, old. Oh, you did? I did not know that. Wow. did that. I did. God. <laughs> How'd that go? A, uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a horrible memory. I didn't no, mean actually, to bring it up. Wow. It, it, Jump-started my whole thing, man. Didn't I mean, really. I did. I was, I was one of these little kids. By the time I was seven, I could play piano very well. My parents were awesome, giving me, you know, like, hey, if you want to do lessons, if you want to stop lessons, whatever you want to do, we'll support it. And I just wanted to learn. So I just, just excelled real fast. And we sent in tapes to Star Search, going like, well, this would be a great catapult, you know, to get. What did you do on Star Search? Well, I sent in a video of me playing uh, Mozart, you know. <laughs> That always eight, gets the eight chicks. years old or whatever cool. like that, and they're like, "This is great, but we don't have a category for this." So then I send another thing of boogie woogie piano playing. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is great, but we don't have a category. He's got to sing. Let's take vocal lessons. So I took vocal lessons, took a quick video of myself singing "Great Balls of Fire." It was the only song I knew how to sing. So you're telling me that Ed McMahon and his show had something to do with why you became a singer? Yeah, that's the only reason I learned how to sing. Oh, that's incredible. Really? And then once I did that, we started getting calls all over the country. I mean, because it's you know na- national TV. Wow. Instantly, just it's just like I mean, Star Search at the time was like American Idol now. Of course. Know? And there wasn't like it's not like American Idol. America's Got Talent, you know. So sure. you can think of, there was all these shows now. Like that was it. That and the Gong Show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was like it was the only like legitimate like catapult for someone like me at that age, and just started working like crazy, got into acting and and all that kind of stuff, and um. um but I knew how to play piano. I could do anything on the piano, but had no idea lyrics to songs, or how to sing. That's amazing. So I started watching Elvis Presley movies and going like, that's what, I'm, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. Well, you not only possess kind of his spirit, but you, you know, quite obviously, you, you look like Elvis to I some actually, degree. Actually, that must help with uh, I, my dad was the, like the, the biggest following Elvis. that you have, which is actually, primarily it was, female. It like was that. hard, man. Ha- because of that, though, like, because growing up and listening to that, my music was so influenced by that, just because it's all I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, even though I'm in high school and everyone else is listening to Pantera, I'd go <laughs> home and Elvis was on a radio at home. So, sure. so I had to like actually intentionally try to not sound like that. You know what I mean? Because it's just what I grew up with. You know? So did I. Exactly the same thing. And you have to kind of get away. You know. And because I look the dark hair. I mean, not right now, but you know, uh, I had the dark hair and always wearing suits and stuff like that. And it's like People would go, oh, you remind me of Elvis. Well, that's cool. That's cool, man. No, but at the same really time, cool. like when you're signing a record deal, they're like, well, you know, you got to have your own thing. Yeah. So it was hard to like kind of like separate that and kind of. 
society now. Well, we were talking about what a large following you had, and apparently some of them are actually watching us live right now. We have something called a live chat room, I where people can, are actually chiming in as we speak with some questions. We have somebody who would love to ask you something right now, if you don't mind taking a question. <laughs> okay. Scott, what have we got uh, up there? Yeah, Nate wants to know what the motivation was to leave Nashville to come to Las Vegas. Well, that's actually a good question. <laughs> I, uh, I moved to Nashville because I was working on a deal with a record label called um, Giant Records, which was Warner Brothers. 18 years old, right out of high school. Wow. I wanted to do Juilliard. That was like my whole thing, go to Juilliard, go to Juilliard. Mm. Got offered a record deal with Warner Brothers. I'm like, <laughs> I took the record deal. No, well, if it, uh, eventually the, the Juilliard thing has to turn into Yeah, but you know, the people anyway. go, thousands of people go to Juilliard and never get a record deal, so <laughs> yeah, you might so as well move to the head there. of the class. What the heck? I went to Nashville. I got the deal. Uh, we started working on a record. And um, at the same time, I was writing for a publishing company. I was a staff songwriter called The Staff Writer. So I have to turn in a quote of songs every month for you know, television shows like Ali McBeal at the time and all those were, were looking for songs. And here we need a, s a song for this sh scene. I'd have to write all that stuff, you know. Really? And um, so, so uh, that's interesting. The record label didn't want to use any of my songs, and which was weird because I was writing for other artists. You know what I mean? In, in Nashville, writing for a lot of country artists out there, and and playing with big names, but I couldn't use my songs. So they're like, "Well, we 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 can't uh, we can't use your songs." So I left the record label, just worked on the songwriting, and just after time, after writing so much, I'm going like, "Well, I can write songs anywhere," and why am I staying in Nashville, uh, you know? Because I'm from the beach. No, exactly. And my grandparents were living in uh, Santa Cruz still, which I was very close to. And um, we all decided, let's all just move to Vegas. Housing's cheap, <laughs> we can all go there. And the whole, my parents, my grandparents. We oh, all you're kidding. There. Yeah, they're gone now, but, but my parents are still here. And uh, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a thing to get the family all out here. Well, really. it obviously paid off for you. And uh, you would mentioned that you, wrote for other people and other bands, yeah. performed with big names. Uh, we're going to take a short little break. Yep. When we come back, uh, there's one name in particular that I'd like to talk about that okay. got you some huge national exposure not too long ago, yeah. which was so exciting. Uh, folks, we're with, sitting here with Frank Moreno. My name is Chris Phillips. You're watching Talk Tales. We'll be right back. This is David Ivey from Pub Crawl. It's funny because this is David from you should, you should, No, you should just leave it on. Hi, I'm David Ivey from Pub Crawl, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. And scene. Well, here uh, we are coming to you live from Las Vegas with Mr. Big Shot here, Frankie Moreno, who is taking over Las Vegas and about <laughs> to go international with. About to go uh, public. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> And right before we went to the break, I was talking about how you have been, uh, uh, well, this is so well-deserved, but also I'm sure, uh, you know, some would say very lucky to have met uh, some big-time names yeah. that you've been able to work hand-in-hand -hand with. One in particular that I'd like to talk about right off the bat. Uh, it was so exciting for me personally to be flipping through the uh, TV channels yeah. not too long ago, just yeah. a couple months ago, and I think it, I came, uh, came across PBS, yeah. I think it was what it was on. And there was this special with this incredible violinist, Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell. And I was, I was in, uh, intrigued by him because he was amazing, and I was sitting there watching him. And next thing I know, he introduces you. <laughs> and you're sitting right next to him on the piano. Yeah. And you guys break into a rendition of a Beatles song, yeah. Eleanor Rigby, Eleanor Rigby, which 
I will say publicly, was probably the best rendition of that song I've ever heard in my life. Thanks, man. Even better than the Beatles. Wow. How did that all come about, my friend? He walked in. I started writing. I was on the road with some other acts as like musical director for them and stuff. Meanwhile, I was still playing the Golden Nugget, but I'd go out and I'd work with uh, this guy Billy Currington. He was a country singer. Yeah, you want to tour with him? On, yeah, on the Sugarland tour. Yes. Which they were just here, actually, Sugarland. Mm -hmm. um, I was with Air Supply. Um, which you incidentally started writing music for them too. Correct? Yeah, I wrote their. It's unbelievable. I wrote their their last. Oh man. Top ten single. That's a just piece kidding. of. American pop yeah. culture you're working with. Yeah, it's That's awesome. Incredible. It's awesome. Those guys are great. No, but I started writing string charts for them because they were always doing these shows and perform with orchestras. So I started writing string charts. Uh, went to Europe with my brothers, we all, Tony and Ricky. We write all the music that my band performs, or all the originals anyway. And I uh, went to Europe, went to like Mozart's house, Beethoven's house. Wow. And got really inspired wow. to do all this classical, which I grew up doing. And... Uh, Started writing all this classical music. It got to the Philharmonic out here in Vegas. You know, people started performing it and stuff like that. <clears throat> One night, this guy they go, this guy Joshua Bell's coming in, and and they brought him down to the Nugget. I had no idea who he was. Sure. After googling him, I found out he's a big big deal. He's like the top classical violinist in right. the world. It's crazy, and he's amazing. He's amazing. So he would come in and watch us like three nights in a row in in. Really? In the Rush Lounge. Oh, man. He's like, man, I want you to play on my record. <laughs> and at this time, I just did the Air Supply album. You know, I was doing all these cool things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll play on your record, you know. <laughs> Not realizing who it was. So, you know, time goes by, and then I finally get a call from uh, Sony Records saying, which was his label, was his, the label he was on. Uh -huh. And uh, they go, we're doing this album, and it's Joshua Bell and Friends, and we want you on it. Joshua Bell and Friends, like, who's on this record? Oh, uh, Paul McCartney, Josh Groban, Sting, <laughs> Chris Bodie. I, I'm sorry, I haven't heard of any of them. I've yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I can't say on TV what I actually said, but yeah. I said, wow, yeah, what yeah. an incredible honor that yeah. must have been. So Paul McCartney ended up having to pull out last second, which was a bummer, but best thing that could ever happen to me. We ended up changing. I was doing one of my originals. Right. A song called Walk Away From Me, I wrote. And we changed it, and we said, well, let's do the song Eleanor Rigby. Because who's recut Eleanor Rigby that everybody's familiar with? I mean, like, a lot of people have recut it, but nobody's made, like, a no, splash with it. No, not at all. So we recut Eleanor Rigby, just piano, violin, and vocal, and made it like a um, kind of a fantasy, like a classical oh, fantasy it's, kind it's of piece. really you know? cool the way you, yeah, just you very tooled it. Yeah. And we rehearsed it a couple times, went back out on the Sugarland tour, came back to New York, cut it like on the spot, left, and uh, Sting goes in the next day, cuts his song. Wow. Um, Josh Groban cuts his song, whatever. Um, so now I'm back out with Air Supply. I'm in Hong Kong, and I get a, uh, a thing on my laptop. We're in an airport. I'll never forget uh -huh. it. We're all sitting <laughs> in the airport on our laptops. Right. Email comes in from Sony. Congratulations. Uh, it just went number one on the Billboard Classical Crossover. Number one. Oh so I look and God. like there it is, Frank Marino, Joshua Bell. I ask everybody around me, you gotta look, is this is this real? Is someone messing with me? Your particular track? Yeah. The whole album hit number one and the track hit number one. Oh and the track God. was like the top downloaded Amazon the Eleanor Rigby was like the top downloaded Amazon.com music something. Well I'm know. telling you, when I heard it I was like, This is incredible. It it's great, but it just it, 
it was just a lot of timing and everything behind it. The Beatles rock band just came out, right, you know, the video right, game. Right, right, right. So uh, all their remastering. So yeah. everything was just perfect about that. And it, it came out, so I started doing a bunch of dates with Josh. I did the PBS special and, you know, hung out <laughs> many times. <laughs> that was Sting, And it was great, man. What a great experience that was, you know. And, and that led to so many things. That made my, my, my uh, website go from, you know, a few thousand people to... Well, Millions, sure, and, and what's you know. amazing about that and everything else you do is you're not just a singer and a songwriter, but uh, you arrange, uh, like yeah. you mentioned, string parts and such, which led, now, did you conduct the Sydney yeah. Symphony Orchestra? Yeah. That's, that's at, the, uh, at the Sydney pretty, Opera House. Pretty impressive as well. With a my carrot. God. <laughs> oh, my God. I was hammered. <laughs> I was hammered. <laughs> of course you were. Well, no, I walk into the room at the Sydney Opera House, and it's just, you know, that shell building. Mm-hmm. And we were there supplying. <clears throat> they wanted me to conduct because I wrote all the 32-piece, you know, orchestral stuff for it. And you're so young. What are you, 30, 34? 34. 34. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, that's so I'm out disturbing. there with a carrot conducting. I'm thinking that's funny. I'm telling the guys, I'm saying, are you videotaping this? This is great. You know. <laughs> so I, I don't know funny. how it turned out. I was, but we did three nights, sold out each night. The Opera House. And wow. It was great, man. And well, then, your parents and then come back must the next be proud. Play the Rush Lounge. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the music business, man. Well, that's that's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, you have so many fans, and there's, as I mentioned, a couple yeah. who want to get to some more questions for okay. you. Scott, what's the next well, question? Yeah, uh, me forgets asks, uh, is Sugar High about somebody specific? The Sugar High no, that is a song is on... Uh, one of your original songs? Uh, well, yeah, on a record I put out called Gift, which okay. was the first thing that introduced me to the string section out here and everything. And we wrote that song. It's about Mozart. We called it Sugar High because uh, we were talking about... The song's about um, those little Mozart chocolates. You ever seen those things? <laughs> no. You can get it like at Lee's Liquor, like the Mozart liqueur and the <laughs> Mozart chocolate. Lee's Liquor. And we were saying, nice. like, Mozart got famous. Like, here's one of the greatest composers ever. And a lot of people in my age group know of him because of the movie, the Amadeus movie, and he's sure. got these chocolates and the Mozart liqueur. <laughs> so we thought that was ironic, and we wrote a song about that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your, your, your own original music, uh, what's your latest release right now that you have out? Hanging on a Maybe. It's an album called Hanging on a Maybe. Hanging on a Maybe. And what it is. And what does we, that imply? Well, we wrote that because that's right when we were finding out about the Sony deal. And we weren't quite sure what was going on. <laughs> and we were Sounds like it has a double music. meaning, yeah. perhaps, then. Yeah. Sure. And we were writing music for that record, thinking maybe this is the record that's going to go. Well, it turns out that they're taking almost all of those songs from the record. We're going to recut them. Um, and then we've added some new stuff since. But yeah, they're letting me write the whole thing. And Hanging on the Maybe is a current album we have now. And, and I can't sell like my own little records like this anymore once we release this new record. I can't like sell the stuff that we just well, some of record. my favorite, one of my favorite songs is I'm Sorry. Where does that oh, come yeah. from? Um, you know, everything <laughs> comes from either, either some sort of experience that we had or we've heard. Or, or a lot of times what I'll do is just as a writer is I'll take something like, you know, when you're, when you're happy, or for me, I don't want to sit in a dark room and write music. You know what I mean? So you yeah. normally write when you're sure. sad sure. Or, or, just, or, just, or just melancholy or whatever. And of course. So, but like, it doesn't mean you have to write sad music. You can turn the topic around. So a lot of time we'll flip topics, like something's good, or, or we'll turn the whole, um, you know, if someone did this to you, but I'll turn it around like I did this, you know, or just something. So they're all real stuff, but they have like, um, you know, little twist to them. 
just for my own sake. Well, we couldn't be more proud and thrilled to have you here. Thanks, man. Uh, we're going to take one more little yeah. break, and we're going to come back and talk with you just a bit more. And I want to also ask you about uh, not only the state of music in Las Vegas, yeah. but maybe who some of the uh, shows and entertainers you like to go see. Absolutely. Uh, folks, once again, you're watching the Vegas Video Network, and if you have any comments or questions, I would love to you to contact us, please, anytime by emailing us. Uh, you can go to talktales at vegasvideonetwork.com. Or if you are not so inclined to have a computer, you can simply pick up the phone. <laughs> if you don't have a computer. No, well, like me, I don't. Uh, you can call our toll-free number at 866-966-4599. I still have the rotary dial phone, by the way. I, Do you? I, I got to catch up a little bit. The we'll cell? Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cell version? <laughs> a dial cell, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we're going to be back here with my uh, uh, drinking buddy, Frank and Raina. We'll be right back. Everybody. Hey, I'm Alman. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you get them to do that all the time? <laughs> Just sit there and be an ass. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> hey, I'm Al. <laughs> hey, I'm Al Mancini at Top of the Food Chain. You are watching the Vegas Video Network. We got big forks, big spoons. I got a big mouth. I got no guests. Once again, everybody, you're watching Talk Tales with me, Chris Phillips, and uh, we couldn't be more happy and proud to have with us one of, not only the most, one of the more talented people in town, but somebody who I think has probably the best chance of anybody I know in Las Vegas <laughs> of breaking out and becoming some big-time national, international celebrity uh, entertainer, and, I, and we're all rooting for you, my Thank friend. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, but speaking of Las Vegas, you've yeah. obviously been playing around here for years now. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen some changes uh, yeah. in, in the live music scene, Big so time. to speak, particularly in the <coughs> casinos. Mm -hmm. uh, being a music purist as you are, uh, have you noticed, obviously, as so many of us have, the decline in live music, oh, taking yeah. places in the lounges and the clubs and things. Uh, How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I wonder, I wonder if a lot of that has to do with just people aren't interested anymore in this town or, or also the fact, you know, just the economy's down so a lot of the places don't want to pay. Right. Like in Nashville, nobody was paying anything anywhere. I was playing all over downtown Nashville and everyone was playing for free because everybody wants to be seen. Sure. So even people who are pros, I need to get paid and they do it for a living. Like I came in there and, you know, I needed, that's how I make my living. But you got, you know, the... 17-year-old kid that just moved in and, you know, he, I'll do it for free, you know. So I, yeah. I, I don't know, like, because a lot of places are playing uh, or not paying, if this was more of an original scene out here, people would still play everywhere. Like, I'll just play. But because it's not, because it's more of an entertainment thing instead of a music thing, like Las Vegas is entertainment rather than music. Exactly. So Particularly even, with the tourists. Oh, yeah, big time. So even with us, like, I can't just sit with the acoustic guitar and a bar stool and entertain people in this town. I mean, now, luckily, we've established people, you know, to, to know what we do. And well, I, lo I love how, you, how you've expanded lately into a full-scale band. Yeah. You have uh, this incredible horn section. Yeah, they're great. But I have to talk about the strings. <laughs> <laughs> they're new. Well... You know, it's, it's not only novel and amazing to have a string section, but what I found particularly uh, intriguing is that that is the hottest They're hot. string section I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy. Where did they come from? How did you find well, it's them? It's to make up for the rest of my band. There you go. <laughs> Especially because oh, you got no, your family what, involved. What happened was everyone <laughs> in this town, 
it, because it's an entertainment town, you got to have a girl on stage, right? So everyone, everyone, every agent told me, you got to get a girl on stage. Girls <laughs> sing, play tambourine. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, it's just, it's so much better because I, I, you can't draw guys into a room. I can't draw guys. <laughs> and even still, like, guys just don't just come in and right. watch the pretty boy sing, you know? <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's, it's, I never, like, thought of it that way because I was just, I'm a songwriter first and right, foremost. Right, right. I'm just about the song. Like, I had to adapt into an entertainer by being in Vegas, like. Creating the visual as well. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to just get a girl to sing in the band or, or just, a, you know, a girl guitar player because I'm supposed to have a girl. So I fought it forever, you know, just because I'm going like, I want to do something just different and more about this. Just make people not think of anything other than the song. Of course. That's going to distract them. I mean, if we were doing, you know, more upbeat stuff or, or uh, cover music, then, yeah, it's all about the visual. It's a different business altogether. Yeah, yeah, but with the songwriting, it's like I want them to listen to my words, and if I got some pretty girl here, they're not going to listen. Right. And uh, so, just recently, I thought, well, I, I think I'm going to add strings, <laughs> and I'm going, well, this might be a good opportunity to find that element. All blonde string players, or something like that, you know. Very attractive blonde string yeah, players. Because, yeah, because because, and they're great talents. I know too. they're incredible. They're like if you just listen to them, they're awesome. But then you look, it's like. Wow. And that adds such a really thick, new layer yeah. to your original music, which is well, just it beautiful. Adds a, uh, it adds a beauty to it the does. music when we're adding all the the band. The four piece is a rock thing. Sure. The horns make it kind of vintage, kind of buble. Yeah. Um, but the strings bring it down to like a, you know, we can kind of throw in some classical aspects. And it's a three piece string instead of having like you know a couple times we've used six and six. twelve. Yep. But um, and you write those arrangements yeah, for them, obviously. Yeah. But but you write very and, and, differently. And I'm guessing for in your drunken strings. stupor at four o'clock in the morning is when you write the charts, correct? Yeah. In fact, in <laughs> fact, once I leave here, I'm writing all the string parts for the new songs tomorrow. Because I try to do new songs every week, you know, because people come out and see us. So we try to write something new every week. And, but wow. Yeah, I mean, like when you're <laughs> writing for lots of strings awesome. and then writing for three strings, it's very different. It's kind of like if you have a chorus of voices. You know, and you could go, ah, and have 10 guys doing that. It sounds nice. But if it's just you, you don't go, ooh, and ah, in the background. It's weird. Yeah, and you want those harmonies and yeah. layers in there. So with three-piece, it's very classical kind of writing, and, and which I love. I love classical music. So it's. We might even have a question in the chat room pertaining to your band. Is that right, Scott? Yeah, I've heard several comments from uh, Doug. A comment from Doug who says, <laughs> You can draw me into your room anytime you'd like. <laughs> Which, oh, hold on. <laughs> uh, you're his new man crush, just so you know. Nice. And uh, <laughs> Me Forget says, uh, do you have a name for your horn section? A name for the horns? It's all so new. Uh, we've, we've dabbled with some, um, but we actually haven't had any that's stuck. So, I mean, if you have some, just write them into me and we'll call them that. It's the horny guys, I guess. <laughs> the horny guys. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who loves Vegas entertainment. Yeah, if it was yeah. up to me, I'd go to a show every night. Yeah. Uh, certainly every Tuesday. I'm now yeah, a man. disciple of what you're doing. You're going to sing with me tomorrow night. Oh, I hope not for your sake. God, nobody <laughs> wants that. I would love, I, that would, obviously I'd be honored. But if you, on a night out, night out, yeah. night off, were to go out on the Las Vegas Strip, is there a particular show or a band or an entertainer that you would personally like to see? Yeah, what, you know, it's... What, what fascinates you? I haven't had the opportunity to see a lot. I love original music, obviously. <laughs> Good luck finding it in this town, that's right? That's the thing. <laughs> so there, there really isn't. You have to go to the, the more of the dive bar kind of places. And that's cool. And sometimes you get some great, great acts in there. Um, 
But like, as far as the show, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to go out because we were, we were working so much. And even now, I'm not working every single night. I'm, I'm writing charts and stuff. But some great shows, like we just saw um, a lot of my horn players play in. So Vegas, the show. Oh, of course. Great Produced show. by David Sachs. Yeah. Yeah, it's great I saw that for the first time. And it it's rare to see a full-scale uh, big band or orchestra in any kind of show. And so, yeah. you know, that's that's a show that's kind of keeping the spirit of Las Vegas yeah. alive, certainly. And they're, yeah, I, was I know your horn guys. They actually, some of them play with, with my vintage show, yeah. too, as yeah. well. And yeah. you got some, some very talented guys yeah. out there. But yeah, that's a good example. That's a good show. Uh, I mean, like, I like I like magic stuff, you know? I've always, Do you? I was a big David Copperfield fan ah. growing up. So, you know, clearly... Uh, right. Copperfield. Um, yeah, I mean, like, typically I just like to hear live bands. You right. know, I mean, I'm, I'm more about a live band than a, than a show. Yes. Per se. Right. Me too. And, and a lot of that's just because I haven't had a, a chance. Santa Fe, you know, over at the Palms on Monday night. Well, that's incredible. Some of the, the most incredible musicians in yeah. the country come together on a Monday night and just all-out jam, and that's yeah, very that's, successful. That's me. a... I mean that's that's crazy. That, yeah, as far as musicians oh go, that's, man, that's, that's the that's cream of the crop in that thing. Zoe Bowie. Um, <laughs> and how many times has Frankie Marino come to a Zoe Bowie show? I saw you at the end because you were there playing. <laughs> 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 well, you only play weekends, and so do I. I know. I'm just part. kidding. No, that's awesome. Well, I'm going to see you sing on Tuesday. Oh well, I'm going to have to be. You know, that might be a good question. What you? do people want to hear you sing? Something like like a big bandy with us, or something <laughs> funky? That's a good question to ask your viewers. What should you sing with me on Tuesday night? <sighs> now I'm under Are pressure. Are we waiting for a reply? Well, you know, we have somebody in the live chat room. Maybe they have uh, an idea. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Frankie, they want to know what's the wildest thing you've ever received from a fan. <laughs> Besides something you had to get penicillin for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if it did require a shot, the uh, wildest step thing. aside. Man, we've gotten everything. I mean, from <laughs> quilts to pillows to panties to... Oh, that's sexy. To, quilts. Uh, <laughs> chocolates to... Yeah, I've gotten quilts. Have you gotten quilts? I've gotten quilts. No. With my songs, like, written into it. Oh, that's wow. nice. It's nice. Yes. Yeah. So would you get it for that on eBay? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. No, no, I'm no, no, kidding. No, no. no, it's actually awesome. It's actually very cool. No, it is. Cool. There's nothing more lovely than when you're somebody who appreciates what you do yeah. wants to give back to you in yeah. some form or another. I, I get it. The best thing, uh, someone buys us a drink. <laughs> you know, on stage. And right? you when tend to have a cocktail or two when you perform. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. You know, I never drank until I moved to this city. I mean, I moved here when I was 21 years old. Isn't it funny? <laughs> yeah. But what is it about Las Vegas that turns you into an alcoholic? Seriously. It's, uh, it does. Yeah, it's... Well, not, not completely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we started drinking. And then we started, like, just incorporating that into our show. And so many places would get so mad at us for drinking on stage. But, it, but at the same time, they want to encourage their drink sales. So we're like, well, well if, why can't I drink? I mean, I'm paying for... I got a 10-piece band now. We're all doing five or six shots. Relax. Well, I'll tell you something. I, I'm no stranger to drinking. It got to the point that it was so bad for me, Frankie, that I shouldn't say this, but I was so known for drinking on stage to the point where station casinos had to cut me off and said, if you ever drink again, really? you're fired. Because wow. I became what they called a liability. <laughs> and that the problem was, if I just would stop falling into the drum set. Yeah. Because they figured the next time was going to be into the crowd. Plastic shields in front. Yes. Of 
<laughs> to keep Zoe Bowie from falling into the drum set. Bass planting into the snare you, drum. Well, luckily you haven't got to that point yet. And, uh, the uh, woman who uh, did the quilt is on, and she's crying for some oh, reason. Oh, I, I love oh, the quilt. I really do. <laughs> I love the quilt. Well, I'll tell you, I, I need to know before we go here, what, what do we got coming up? What's, what's the big plans for you and your band and your record? And really quick, we just have a couple minutes because I, I want to finish on that note. Tuesday nights is the place to be right now. It sure Tuesday is. Nights, it's we a got, hang, man. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, we got like all kinds of people coming. I think this week, uh, you're coming. <laughs> um, Vinnie Paul is going to play some drums with us. From Pantera. From Pantera. Um, <clears throat> Paul Shortino from Quiet, Quiet Riot is going to sing with us a little bit. Oh, my God. The Caratops coming in. Really? Um, that sounds like... Oh my God! It sounds like a Zoe Boy show. Well, you know, just on Friday night on stage, I had Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Really? Flavor Flav. Nice. Gordy Brown doing yeah. his impressions. Gordy is awesome. Gordy's <laughs> talking awesome. Talk about a Motley Crue. Yeah. So no, you go into a, a Frank and Moreno show. You're you're not only going to get you, but for for the yeah. for the price of admission, you get big time celebrities coming yeah. up there and performing with you. Yeah, with it's the crowd. awesome. It's, it's awesome. just a big party. It's just a part. It's and the Palms is a great environment for that. It's a casual vibe. Um, we're doing that. We're doing uh, next month every every Thursday. We're uh, September every Thursday. We're doing uh, the Mandalay Bay. Oh, nice! That's a great lounge. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. cool. We're doing that just to you know. We're just trying to get some practice in for this new show with the strings and all that. Um, and then working on this record that is hoped to be released uh, released by the end of the well, year. Well, like I'm, I said I'm earlier, a buzz, oh, man. dude! I, <laughs> trust me, that's that's why I bring my driver with me, who is very lovely, nice. sitting over the corner. Um, I couldn't be more proud to have you. I'm I know the city is, is rooting for you. Uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thanks. And when you become big time international star, I'll try to get you back on and then you'll tell me no and that'll be you that. Can do, you can do my show. Oh, great. We'll do a PBS <laughs> special. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Ladies and Chris. gentlemen, Frankie Moreno, I couldn't be more happy to have you. Thank you. Once again, please uh, email us anytime. It's uh, simple. You just go to talktales at vegasvideonetwork.com. you have any comments? And he's a thief. Pardon me? Check him out. He is the man. We will see you uh, actually two weeks from now. Uh, I'm going to be performing live in Scottsdale next week, unfortunately, so I will not be able to be here. And I thought I'd mention that on air live. Thanks, Scott. I know you so didn't I'll know be, that. I'll be filling in for, I'll be filling in for Chris. <laughs> yeah, our guest host. But anyway, thanks so much for watching Talk Tales. I uh, hope you have a great week, and we'll see you in two weeks. Good